Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast. We are just going into BlizzCon this week. Uh, so that's probably gonna be a lot of the podcast I am hosting today. I'm Elizabeth, and, uh, Matt is out sick this week, but we should have him back next week. And with me, of course, is my fantastic co-host, Joe. Hi, everybody. You get to deal with us, but I'm making Liz host, so you get to hear her more than me today. <laughs> yeah, it's, it feels like it's always me and Matt just monopolizing the conversation. Though, though I also, I do get it. Sometimes it's nice when you and Matt go on a tear about something and I can just sit here and let my brain rest for a minute. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I know I understand because like I sometimes feel like I go on a tirade and maybe it's it, like when I when I do talk on the main podcast, I feel like it's usually for an extended period of time. Uh, and I wind up going into I feel like I go into the weeds. Uh, but I think that's just the way my brain works. So I'm always content to like sit back and and. Honestly, like, I really love hearing your perspective on things, uh, because even though you've been with us for a little while, your point of view on, on everything is still, it's refreshing because it's, oh, it's not only is it an alternate point of view because of, you know, who we are as people, but because of who you are for the site, right? Because you look through things from an editor in chief lens a lot of the time. And yeah. Matt and I are just like we're dogs with bones. Sometimes we, we, we we're like we're like you throw that scrap to the junkyard dogs, and we're just kind of like tearing it apart. That's what we do. You have the the much higher level view, and so it it helps shape the conversation in a very fun way. I feel it's interesting with the three of us because I feel like we have kind of the perfect diversity of opinion. Like we, it's very rare that we all three agree. One of us is usually on the far side of something. Mm -hmm. One of us is usually on the opposite side. And one mm -hmm. of us is usually kind of in the middle. So it does feel like we get a decent perspective that way. Balance. I hope so. Balance. I hope so. Listeners at home, I hope you enjoy listening to this podcast. We try our best for you. Uh, <laughs> of course, now you're, you're dealing with me. So I don't know. I don't know. Still, we're here doing our best. But... This week is BlizzCon. Hopefully you will hear this podcast before BlizzCon. If you hear it after BlizzCon, it may sound a little uh, dated as we try to talk our way through this convention coming up this Friday and Saturday. It's the first BlizzCon we've had since 
2019. I think I'm right there since pre-COVID. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. It's been so long. It has been. It's hard to imagine how long. You know, we used to have one of these every year, and we had a couple of digital ones in the middle, but this is the first time everyone's back in person, and they've promised, you know, a different kind of BlizzCon. And I'm I'm wondering how different it's really going to be. Have you uh, had a chance to take a look at the schedule or the show floor plan? You know, I really haven't. So, like, talk to me about it. Like, what's changed? Because I know we have a smaller footprint. I, I know um, that there's like WoW is being relegated to like one stage worth of stuff. Is that right? Like, am I, am I far off? You're you're in the ballpark. So the big thing about BlizzCon this year is that all of the panels are on one stage. That's it. There's one stage for panels. That's all the panels. That's there are yeah, no That's panels. wild. That's wild to me, isn't it? And it's like you know, it's you got your opening ceremony. You got WoW. What's next? Overwatch deep dive. WoW Classic. What's next? Hearthstone. What's next? Warcraft Rumble. And, you know, it's like that. It's just the big panels all lined up on a single stage, Uh, which one of the things I'm really missing on this schedule is a lot of the kind of niche content. There is no Q&A panel Mm. for any game, though Diablo 4 has said they're going to do some Q&A at the end of their panel. Uh, There are no voice actor panels. None of that, which is a shame because those were always some of the most entertaining panels. Yeah, like I remember I, I like I remember like running into some of the voice actors and stuff like that like in years past. Like that's a wild I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but like that's wild because like that was always so much fun and I don't know. I still wanted to just randomly see Darren DePaul out on the floor. Like I th- I, I, right? I I love him. He's precious. Uh, so it's uh, man when you get a voice actor and you put them on stage and say just just talk answer questions they always come out with the craziest stuff they Mm -hmm. do voices it's so much fun but we aren't getting any of that this year Uh, a lot of the niche topics are gone like he used to be able there used to be panels that were purely about the art of different games you used to have panels where artists would just draw and talk about things uh, I remember watching a panel once about just like terrain design in World of Warcraft and how they built pathways into things. So it made it obvious to how to get to this place and that place. And I was I remember sitting in that panel and thinking very hard about how I always have to circle mountains like three or four or five times to find the path up them mm-hmm, and thinking, mm-hmm. Maybe you could do a little better with that. But they clearly thought about it. It was interesting to hear them talk. And all of that is just, is gone, is gone. Uh, so, yeah. so I am kind of, I, I kind of regret that. It feels weird. I mean, I, I guess I can kind of understand that though, too, because it is a really large undertaking. And before the pandemic, BlizzCon, and I've been to to many, many BlizzCons, uh, from the first one onward, uh, and like it just kept getting bigger and maybe a little more unwieldy as time went on. Yeah, yeah, I bet. But like, even yeah. but this seems like such a hard pendulum swing because I, I almost feel like the first BlizzCon had more was more spread out than this. Yeah, and uh, I think it took hmm. up three. I think it took three full halls of uh, the Anaheim Convention Center at the time. I'm not sure. I wasn't at the very first one. 
It was either two or three. It was either two or three full halls. Like I, I, listeners at home, if you if you attended the very first BlizzCon or remember, please you know drop us a comment below. But like I I because I distinctly remember the second year there being four halls because there was Hall A, Hall B, Hall C, and then Hall D was like all the social events. Um, But yeah, it was it, it it did get rather massive, and this feels. I don't know, oddly, not, not not even intimate, just stripped down, I guess. Yeah, it feels a little more like other mainstream gaming conventions. Like, you know, if you're watching uh, E3, which is something that we're all is going to fade from all of our memories some point soon, mm-hmm. you would just you would tune into the Microsoft press conference. Just as a totally random example, totally unrelated to what we're talking about here, you would just tune into the press conference and they go down all of their games one game at a time. And it feels more like that. It feels more focused. They're going to go down through each of their games and they're going to talk. They're, you got the opening ceremony. Then you've got a bunch of what's next panels. Then the next day you have more what's next and deep dive panels. So it's like you're you're doing the big opening ceremony. Uh, which is like two and a half hours long. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kind of your that's kind of your standard, you know, video game press conference event. And then the rest of the convention, you're doing these deep dives with all of the details, but you're not going into you know the smaller panels that may not have been as popular as the others, but were always really fun. So that's I, I, that's a shame. I can see why they did it. It seems more in line with other big gaming events, but yeah. it's still kind of a shame. Yeah, I liked in like I've gone to a lot of of gaming conventions. I've I've gone to the Paxes. I've gone to a bunch of the other ones, and they all have a sort of similar vibe to them. Like you're saying, like they all feel very the same. But I enjoyed. Yeah. I used to enjoy the explicit differentness of BlizzCon. If that yeah. makes sense, yeah. Like it felt more. I hate to say immersive because I don't know if that's the right word, but it was an all engrossing experience that you could tailor to your interests, right? And it wasn't just showing up and want and like going in for one like one specific panel on one specific st- uh, like stage, or because there is only one stage. It was all right. Well, I'm really into Warcraft, so I know I need to be in uh you know Hall A for the main experience. Then I have to go over to Hall B for the the, the breakdowns or whatever's coming next. And I'm really into the lore panel. So then I got to go to hall C at this time. And like, it, it felt like you were able to tailor that experience. Cause then if you didn't care about Warcraft, you could go and, and choose to do things that were happening at the same time slots for other games, whether yeah. it was overwatch yeah. or Diablo or whatever the case was. And I liked that. I liked that being a thing versus everything being all crammed together. And I'm not saying this is going to be bad. Obviously I can't predict what's going to happen there. Um, But it does, it does have that sort of, I don't want to say generic feel to it, but I mean, that's not really that far off. Is it at least this year? No, it does. It, it, it does feel a little savvy. Of course, we're all speculating. They, one of the things Blizzard said way, way a long time ago when they announced that they were doing another in-person BlizzCon was that they wanted it to be more about experiences. That So I'm very curious what the show floor is going to look like this year. If you look at the map, you do see uh, a lot of different things like... Uh, in the Diablo area, there's a museum with relics from the Diablo universe. Uh, there's tarot card readings. There's a Herodric library. Uh, things like that that could be interesting. It, so it could have more 
experiences, things to do at the convention and not just not just panels. Um, we're also seeing a lot more streamer participation this year, which doesn't surprise me too much because BlizzCon, in gaming in general, streaming is the thing. Yeah. Streaming is what yeah. everyone's doing it. Everyone's watching it. So uh, this convention, there's going to be streamers streaming from the convention. There's an official schedule for streamers streaming from Warcraft, from Diablo, from Hearthstone. Just they're going to be on the show floor streaming new content. And I mean, that's interesting because even if you aren't at the convention, you can't hit up the demo uh, centers. You'll be able to watch other people playing live. But that is a big thing that you missed out on if you weren't there. And now it does sound like it's more accessible to everyone. But uh, again, that's that's kind of a different focus. And it does feel like uh, like it's been a big part of BlizzCon this year. Heart, uh, Diablo has about a dozen different p- different creators streaming throughout the weekend. Mm-hmm. World of Warcraft has maybe 20 or 30 different people streaming on a schedule through the weekend. Uh, Hearthstone has maybe 20 people. So we're going to see a lot of different streamers streaming new content and giving their opinions on it. What do you think about that? I'm kind of I'm kind of torn on this being a good thing or a bad thing. It's both to me. Okay, so this is yeah. this is another one of those things that falls into the same category. Um so one of the things that I have noticed over the last couple years in particular, uh, probably largely due to the pandemic, but uh mm-hmm. I'm sure for other reasons as well, probably the last like 4 5 years maybe. We've definitely seen an increase in the presence of content creators sort of take the forefront when it comes to games and 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 content in general. But all of the conventions, not necessarily the convention itself, but all of the game companies during convention time do exactly this now. They'll reach out to content creators and will give them copies during like a convention season in order to Mm -hmm. get them to make content for it and give their Mm -hmm. opinion on it to sort of drive that hype while they're at the convention doing the things we see this during you know during the e3 cycles during the game the the game video game award cycles during the pax cycles pax actually quite a bit especially when you get into like uh even the indie content that gets produced for it and they've really been kind of relying on streamers to sort of, I don't want to say pick up the slack because it's, it, I feel it's unfair, um, but present uh, the content and their opinions on it. But here's the downside of that. One of the things I liked about BlizzCon and getting those experiences was you didn't have additional commentary on it. Mm. And these content creators are going to offer their commentary on top of you experiencing it. So like, and and really you're not sort of experiencing it firsthand. You're experiencing it secondhand or thirdhand through the parasocial connection, which doesn't feel as impactful as like, do you remember? I think it was, I want to say it was Mist of Pandaria where like they just opened it up for people to like try for a couple days and like you got it Mm -hmm. in batches and it was during the BlizzCon. So like people on site could play it and people off site could play it and form their own opinions. I feel like that's more impactful than, you know, whatever big name personalities are just going to be like, well, here's the new content for Overwatch that we're going to show show off or here's the new content for WoW that we're going to show off. But at the same point, and this is the, the positive side of it, doing that does give more accessibility potentially to more people to see it early yeah. uh, and get to sort of like have eyes on it, even if they can't get hands on it. 
So it's mm-hmm. a, it's a mixed bag, I think, is really really what I'm trying to say. So it's it's definitely a different sort of BlizzCon than we've seen before, and it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. The other thing is the show floor itself, the layout of the show floor. I don't know if you've seen the map, Joe, but mm-hmm. you have. Uh, they're they're taking over halls A through D, and uh, as well as the arena. The BlizzCon arena is where all of the panels are taking place. Mm-hmm. Every one of them. But one thing I really find weird is uh, Diablo has all of Hall A. Overwatch yep. World Cup is all of Hall B. Overwatch 2 is all of Hall C. And Hearthstone Warcraft, that's retail Warcraft and WoW Classic, and Warcraft Rumble all share Hall D. And I need to stress that Hall D is larger than the other halls, but you have every game with Warcraft in it is sharing one hall. And according to, if you look at the number of demo stations they appear to have on the map, it looks like Overwatch 2 has maybe as many demo stations as all of the Warcraft games put together. Wow, wow, classic Hearthstone and Warcraft Rumble, which I don't know, that strikes me as odd to cram all the Warcraft stuff over here. Maybe Uh, that's the right call. I don't know. What do you think? So odd take maybe and and i'm okay. not i'm not this is I like opi- odd takes. Uh, this is my opinion folks this is not based off of any information or anything like that but based off of so, like stuff that liz and i were talking about before we started recording this almost feels like a corporate push to put overwatch in more people's mm-hmm. eyesight uh, because so in marketing if you think you already have a group of people you can invest the bare minimum in keeping their attention. And I'm not saying that they're doing the bare minimum. Just just bear with me, folks. Um, but when you invest in something that maybe people haven't picked up like you thought they would, Overwatch, mm-hmm. giving it more attention at something or, or more marketing behind it and giving more space to it and giving more ability for eyes to be on it is maybe a way of trying to get people to consider playing it when they didn't before. Remember when um, they announced Overwatch and where you had the option of, I think it was with the year subscription, you just got it. Like, you you got a copy of Overwatch. Uh, you didn't yeah, have to- they did that for Diablo 2? Yep. Uh, Diablo 3, maybe. Diablo, th- Diablo also. <laughs> they, did, they did it for Diablo 3, and they leveraged their existing... Uh, subscription mm-hmm, stuff mm-hmm. for Warcraft to do that because they knew that they had the the Warcraft audience captured and were trying to find avenues to entice them into it. And I think it's safe to say that Overwatch has not been performing maybe as well as they had hoped it would uh, when Overwatch, and I'm air quoting, two released. Um, so, like, having a haul for the Overwatch World Cup, okay, that makes sense. That That's fine. We understand that. Um, although there's the, the, the BlizzCon Arena, yes. which seems weird because it's like, okay, well, now you have two things that are give that same vibe on the map, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the past, the BlizzCon arena has been where all the esports have been. So that that is a little bit of disconnect. If you're one of those people who's been to BlizzCon a whole lot, like Joe and I, uh, it's a little weird. A little bit. Well, you know, but we'll get ma- used to it. But again, it makes sense, though, because now you, you have the group of esports content that people have already locked into in the arena, and now you're pulling Overwatch out into its own thing. Like, remember we had the overwatch arena and that was like a huge Mm -hmm. deal. Um, this seems like they're trying to capture that hype again a little bit. And again, this is all speculation, so I don't know, but it does, it makes sense from a corporate standpoint, uh, -hmm. why this is set up like it. But I think from a player standpoint, it's a little dull. So, yeah, I, 
I mean, if you bundle together Overwatch 2 and the Overwatch World Cup, Overwatch has taken over two full halls of the Anaheim mm-hmm. Convention Center, which feels like a whole lot of Overwatch. I have to wonder, what are they, you know, what are they announcing? We've kind of had lately a stream of new maps. We had that, uh, the story content. I want to call it PVE content, but it's a lot a lot less story, than it was originally. Story, story content is more accurate than PVE content, I think, at this point. Yes, yes. So we had some story content. We've seen their seasonal model roll out new skins and themes, which have been cool. But I'm not sure what's next for Overwatch. And what would require it to have an entire hall to itself? It has as much space as Diablo 4. It has two or three times the space that World of Warcraft has, even though World of Warcraft is covering two games, WoW and WoW Classic. I, you play Overwatch a lot more than I do because I don't I don't actually play Overwatch. I just watch the cinematics. What do you think is next for Overwatch here? M- more heroes, more maps. They're going to talk more about monetization, the cool stuff you can spend money on. Like, that. Ugh. that's that's what I feel like, right? And don't get me wrong. Like, I'm mm-hmm. having a lot of fun in Overwatch too. Like, now that I'm able to play it, like I am actually having fun in it. Um, there are things that they do that you could tell that the devs are uh, having fun with it, at least in some capacity. Uh, case in point, Wrecking Ball, which is the little hamster mm-hmm. that rolls around and is <laughs> his, his uh, Asmodan skin. For whatever reason, I don't know who made this decision, but seriously, I want to hug you because it's it makes me giggle. <laughs> he has nipple rings that jiggle when he's running on top of the ball now. Like little tiny things like that. Like, you can tell they're, they're 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 like they're still like caring about the animations and stuff they're doing. So no no dis- disrespect to the the devs, but I can't really see what they would possibly announce that would require that much space and attention. My guess, and 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 this is my gut, is that most of the hall is going to be set up for demo machines, specifically for Overwatch Two, to get people to sit down and try it. Uh, because and- Overwatch Overwatch Two is free but you still need people to be willing to try it yeah and if you do look at the map it does look like about half of the hall is demo stations. yeah there you go right yeah like it really is twice as many demo stations if you just count the number of rows as there appear to be in the entire warcraft hall which i guess that makes sense right because like the last time warcraft had a, a huge like I remember when Mists of Pandaria was announced as playable mm-hmm. at the convention and everybody lost their mind, there were a ton of demo stations and there was still a minimum of an hour wait at the slowest times oh, yeah. to get in there. And people were like getting in two, three times and, and trying to get as as far as they could in the 20 minutes that they were allotted. And <laughs> But like I get the hype of it, but I, I'm really curious what they could potentially announce that will get people interested in it. I mean, me personally, I think, and I know it's not going to happen at this point, but if they were to turn around and say, by the way, we have been working on a PVE campaign here, you can see the first looks at it, but it's going to be another, mm-hmm. you know, six months, a year, whatever, you know, I could see that drawing people's attention in, and and making them really take notice. Um, but I can't think of anything else. Like w- another hero is just another hero. Yeah. Another map is just another map. Uh, maybe they could, I could see them trying to introduce a new game mode, but at that point, like mm-hmm. you already have capture the point, you already have uh deathmatch, you already have um the moving objectives, which I think is actually kind of one of the, the cooler things that they've added in, but it all feels very bog standard for shooters. So I don't know, 
Yeah. I don't know what would entice people to to be like a huge announcement. So I guess we'll find out and we'll probably find out during the opening ceremony, if anything. Oh, yeah. One thing I would love to see from Overwatch, and this has been rumored for years, would be an animated series of some kind. I would love to, even if they aren't bringing out the story in game, which I don't really expect to hear about a PvE mode because they really, they only recently canceled their plans Mm -hmm. for a PvE mode. And I think it's like, it's too soon to go back there. And if they went out there and announced a PvE mode, you would have... You know, I don't know that people would trust it because it's like, okay, oh, yeah, you just no, said you were telling not. us. And so I don't know if that would be as big an announcement as they think, because I think you'd just immediately have doubts. But Overwatch story is so good and so interesting. It has such interesting characters that it just, even from day one, it seemed destined to be coming to an over to an animated series, something that really blew out the story. I think that would be great. I don't know if I should expect it, but I'm going to hope. I'm going to hope. That's uh, that's that's what we're doing here. Living in hope until Friday, at which point we'll find out if our hope was misplaced. Yeah. <laughs> and again, uh, not, not, I want to make it perfectly clear. I am having a ton of fun in Overwatch 2. It's just, it's really hard to, to predict what they're going to try to entice people with on it at this point. So... Yeah, that's that's my big question but, about Overwatch 2. But I would say that I agree with you, and we've talked about it a lot. A an animated series, or like I, Matt and I went on this. We were foaming at the mouth at one point when they announced <laughs> that they were going to do an Overwatch comic book series, and then we oh. didn't get that, and instead we got a series. We had a series of web comic vignette things. Mm-hmm. Which were good, but not full blown comic books, and I, we never, yeah. we never knew why. Like if they maybe they probably couldn't come to terms with the distributor, um, but you know they could announce that now, and I'd be super super happy because a bunch of new comic uh, companies have been springing up that aren't Marvel or DC anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have like Boom Comics, which is doing uh, big nostalgia runs. They're doing. Uh, you know, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. They're doing new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They're doing uh, like He Man runs and things like that. They're doing all sorts of things that were culturally relevant to the people who play WoW now uh, and Mm -hmm. play like Blizzard games. They could announce like doing a new like WoW comic, which I know will never happen. Please, I would like it. Please give me more. Um, (laughs) But they could announce that they were doing like an Overwatch comic in in conjunction with Boom, and that would make perfect sense to me. they could announce that they were doing a streaming thing, whether it was with Hulu or prime video. Cause I know Amazon has been looking for more animated content with the success mm-hmm. of critical role, uh, yeah. having overwatch content, having blizzard content on that would be absolutely a win for them. Uh, especially if with the plethora of voice actors that they have to call on that are phenomenal, the voice actors for, uh, you know, Overwatch in particular, well, some of them happen to be also folks that do Critical Role and do the voices for those shows, too. Mm-hmm. Like, you can easily pull them in and, and have a product that would get people, like, salivating for it, right? And, Absolutely. And I we want that because Overwatch is one of those IPs that it's ripe for it. Like, it is, it has all of the, the wonderful pieces you need to tell an interesting story it just has never been able to do it in game and we haven't really been given anything out of game to fill in the blanks. And 
announcing something like that would probably also be a really good way to get people interested in playing your game. Cause if you have an animated series that is, you know, knocking it out of the park and like, mm-hmm. you know, telling this really interesting story with these really interesting characters, uh, which a lot of them are really, really interesting, uh, you know, or telling about where the world is now. And now people are going to start looking at it like, oh, wait, this is also a game. Okay. Oh, it's free. Okay. Like, <laughs> I can see that doing more than, you know, having an entire hall dedicated to the game and mostly demonstrations. So that's my two cents. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I hope to get something really exciting, but I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with that one. Less, least of any other game is what I, what I can guess about Overwatch 2. I can... I think we can make some pretty firm guesses about World of Warcraft, about Hearthstone, even about Diablo 4, even though that's a brand new game. I think we can make some guesses that we'll probably see expansions announced oh, for all yeah, of these easily. games. Although we will uh, say in the time leading up to BlizzCon, and this is just more a PSA uh, from us, your friendly Blizzard Watch staff. Um while we we won't give them much the light of day, please give anything you hear as a, and I'm air quoting confirmed leak, uh, a grain of salt, and be careful on what you believe until actually BlizzCon has come and pass, um, because we don't know what they're going to do, and we've had curveballs thrown at us before. Mm-hmm. So just kind of kind of temper your expectations moving into it. Um, let's not forget the Diablo Four slash Diablo Immortal debacle. Oh boy! Oh boy! Yeah, yeah, that one was. Hmm. Remember the confirmed leak that Diablo Four was going to be announced at the uh, the convention, and then it wasn't. And instead, we got Diablo Immortal, and everybody, including myself, was very salty. So, oh yes, temper your expectations, um, folks. Be safe. And just, and just, it's not very much fun to get super hyped about something, and then you go to the actual convention, they announce the actual thing, and it's not what you expected. Uh, so, I mean, take take leak reports as you know light entertainment you know something fun to speculate on to think about not necessarily promises of content just don't don't get too hyped just yet because we don't we don't no one knows except for blizzard 100 percent what's going to happen on friday um so i'm going to turn over to diablo 4 which is blizzard's newest hottest game I have been having a ton of fun playing season two with the uh, the season of blood and fighting vampires and gaining my own vampiric powers. And it's it's been great. Have you done any playing in the season of blood yet? I have unfortunately not been able to play any of the season of blood, uh, mostly because when I have had free time, I've either been leveling an alt in a while or mm-hmm. I have been on Overwatch trying to unlock my healers. <laughs> <laughs> So there tell me is about just, it. There is just so much going on in gaming. I, but I, I wanted to go from that into, uh, actually, Diablo 4 just rolled out a patch today, which seems a little crazy the week of, of BlizzCon. It's like you're rolling out new content right now. But uh, actually, it's got a lot of really good quality of life improvements. I mean, it's not, not a huge patch. Don't expect to go in and find entire new quest lines or things like that. Uh, but one thing that uh, anyone who's played a long time will appreciate, there's now a refund all button on the Paragon boards because previously, if you wanted to change up your build. That's you a huge to- life win right there. <laughs> yeah, you had to click each Paragon point individually to refund it and go through everything, everything like that. Mm-hmm. Each, each one. Oh, my God. 
it took even if you wanted to make you know a relatively minor change oh i want to go for this node instead of that node so i've got to pull off you know 20 points and go in this other direction that was a lot that was it was it was a little bit of a commitment to change your build after you got locked in so that's great there's also trading dummies so you can go and test out builds and kind of see how well things work they're going to be training dummies in Kyovashat next time you log in and uh yeah, so you can t test out your skills and see how well things go before going out into the world and dying a bunch, which can be especially difficult if you're playing a hardcore character. Um, so I I think these are some great quality of life changes. There there are a few there are a few other things, some bug fixes, uh, some uh, some little things, more information about vampiric powers in the tooltips, just a little stuff. But the refund all button and the training dummies. Those are the real big ones. So this is another thing. It's like, what are they going to announce? They just rolled out a patch this week. And um, so what's next? I think for sure we have to see a Diablo expansion. They've I would be surprised if we don't. Yeah. Yeah. They've previously said they expect to announce to have an expansion a year and that they're already working on two of them. So yeah, I agree with you. I'd be really surprised if we don't see a Diablo 4, 4 expansion coming, which I am super excited about. I am so excited to know where the story is coming next because we haven't seen a ton of story in seasons. I was really excited about seasonal story. It's been a little sparse. Season two is better than season one, in my opinion. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, it, it it further hones in on my my speculation that it's like it's all about the blood diablo is all about blood magic it's not angels and demons don't have anything it's all about the power of nephilim blood well, yeah. and uh it in this case vampires lots lots of vampires feeding on nephilim blood and becoming really powerful but you know so i i i'm just really interested to see where the story goes next obviously at the end of diablo 4 we kind of left off on a cliffhanger as to what's gonna happen um not only a cliffhanger but a cliffhanger that was leading us to explore further reaches of the world we've been sort of mm -hmm. in a rather small section of the world over the course of the last two games so far so mm -hmm. like the the end of diablo 4 is sort of leading us to potentially more varied environments and i'm excited for that potentially i think that would be really really cool to maybe i don't know follow in the wake of uh our our young our young friend and in, in their journey and see what's happening and where they're going. But it also just it I, I'm I want more Diablo story. I feel Yes. Yes. I don't I don't want to feel I, I feel like I have been un like not, I'm no longer sated with the the story. I need more right into my veins. And this may be greedy of me. Um but I really enjoyed the Diablo 4 story. I like where it left off, but there's so many loose ends that mm -hmm. I'd like to start going and in, in, in chasing down. And I'm hoping that we get more information about that. For sure. And uh, the Book of Lorath, which was released a while, been a while, a while after Diablo 4, uh, really hinted that there's a journey going on. It talked about different places Lorath has gone to since the main story. And yeah, it's going to be fun to explore Sanctuary. One of the great things about Diablo 4 is how much it built out the world, how how these different areas really felt, how the people in them were living. So it's going to be super interesting to see other parts of the world fleshed out in the same way. Places we've never seen before. 
And you know, one one complaint I've heard about Diablo Four is it's is pretty dark. You know, you go through Kiova Shed, you go through the the fractured peaks. It's it's pretty grim. You've got people suffering. You've got people dying. And, I mean, to an extent, you that's kind of the vibe you have to have in Diablo. But do we have any places that are maybe a little less of that? I don't know. Do we even want that from Diablo? I think Diablo being its sort of grim, dark self is usually when people love it the most. So I don't mm-hmm. know. It, it is true. One of the things that we complained about most, that certainly I heard complained about most, was how bright and colorful Diablo 3 was, though. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. <laughs> I do find it funny that we had Diablo 3 had this uh, brighter color palette and a lot of people didn't like that, but now Diablo 4 has gone back a little and dialed down the color palette. And, you know, you see people complaining about that, too. You got, you maybe didn't like it at first, but you got used to those brighter colors in D3. And now it's like, oh, wait, wait, we've dialed down. We've dialed down everything. I, ah. so I, I think the interesting thing when we're talking about the color palette in particular is the mm-hmm. I, the color palette choice, I think, has more to do with the style of play in Diablo mm-hmm. than people, th- I think, really, truly ingest. So, like, Diablo 3 being, being brighter made sense because it was a much more fast-paced, action-y game. And we've talked about this on the po- podcast before, but when you have action games that are like this, that have a lot of heavy action all at once, the darker it is, the worse the play experience is. This is actually mm-hmm. something that Games Workshop video games that have been in the ARPG style uh, have noted their games that do this have um, limited success. And even when they release mm-hmm. something new, uh, like their most recent foray into the sort of four player horde simulator that they, that they were doing uh, dark tide, it would, you know, they used brighter colors for that than they normally would because it was faster paced. Diablo two mm-hmm. could be darker and dingier, because as much as we fondly remember Diablo 2 being extremely hectic, it really isn't. It's much slower, more deliberate pace, even with the ability to sprint. And the only reason we thought it was faster is legitimately because in Diablo 1, you walked everywhere. In Diablo 2, <laughs> you could finally run. Um, but ultimately, the game is a little bit slower, so you can use darker palette textures to sort of, you know, to their full effect because the game itself is slower. People aren't rushing by and they can see the details. When you have the game that's as fast as Diablo three is, you can't be that dark and dingy because Hmm. the details get muddled and it becomes sort of like this morass of like blending together. Diablo four is directly in the middle of it. And we've talked about this on the podcast as well, 
And I think it's accurate. It's Diablo 4 is what happens when you take the best parts of Diablo 2 and the best parts of Diablo 3, and this includes the pacing. There are moments mm-hmm. that are slower and more methodical. And if you look at it, the the places that are slower and more methodical are where we have the story moments and the story elements um, throughout the campaign. Those places are all darker, if you've noticed. They're a little bit they're a little bit dingier. They're a little bit mm-hmm. um, more moody, more effective. Like when you're dealing with Dolan and you're dealing with Lorath and, and when, you, when you go to the Herodric uh, archives and, and their headquarters, those places, while it does break into some things, the, the section where the story takes place is darker. And then as you move into the action, like deeper into the Herodric area, while those areas are still moody, they brighten up considerably when you start murdering skeletons. So like, Hmm. I, I think people, uh, I, I don't want to say, I don't think people have realized how important the color palette is for it, but there is a deliberate purpose. And I think, mm-hmm. I personally think Diablo 4 hits it on the head. Like, they, I think they do a good balance. So I absolutely love the art design in Diablo 4. All the details. I have spent so much time just taking screenshots and examining little details in the world. And making connections by art style. I just, Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. love how much detail they've gone into. And I am so excited to see that in new zones. But one thing everyone is speculating about with the possibility of a new expansion on the way is whether we'll see another class added to Diablo. I think it's probably a no-brainer to add a new class if they're announcing an expansion. So the question goes to which class? What do you think, Joe? Do you think we're getting a new class? And if so, what? Yeah, uh, I think we might see. What was the uh, the new Immortal class that we were talking about that was coming out? It was like the Blood uh, Knight or something Blood, like that. Blood Knight, yes. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if with the importance of blood in Diablo 4 mm-hmm. and with the latest season being vampires, uh, essentially all the yeah. way down, a Blood Knight seems to make sense to me. Like, mm-hmm. it would make sense that you have a Blood Knight or a Blood Hunter or something like that 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 is starting to understand the blood magic a little bit more, especially if future expansions are us going after uh, and, and, or Mephisto and, uh, you know, his sort of influence or going after the aftermath of what happened with Lilith. Having somebody who understands or maybe has dedicated their life to how the blood of sanctuary interacts with everything and works mm-hmm. would be a really good time to bring them in and say, so exposition here, or like if you're the big hero, by the way, uh, Lilith's followers put a whole bunch of blood petals down my throat. And now I feel connected to the demons. You think that's a problem? Can you help me out with that? <laughs> like having somebody who maybe has an answer to that is, is probably mm-hmm. pretty cool. Uh, and it would also fill that gap with the Haradrim sort of being, I don't want to say in shambles, but yeah. being a shadow of its former self, having mm-hmm. folks that are picking up that slack would, would be very interesting. The other candidate, I think, is uh, truly a paladin order. Um, yeah. Because we don't we don't have one right now. And the one that we did have in game was beholden to an archangel who had sort of lost his marbles a little bit. Um, <laughs> but we do know that others... Other paladin orders are still present in the world. There's reference to them. Um, we and I'm not just talking about like uh, the traditional paladins that we know of from Diablo 2. 
we know that there are other pockets of humanity and there are other religions and there's other folks. When you're dealing with like the Iron Wolf camp, they tell you that there are brethren out there, essentially. And I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. but I'd like to see maybe that explored because I know that was one of the things while the Crusader was cool, it wasn't the paladin, and a lot of people really lament not having a paladin. But having a paladin that maybe plays somewhere in between uh, the Crusader and the old old UG Paladin might be cool. So I don't know that those are those are my two picks. What do you think? What What do you think we might see? Um, I think what the game is really missing gameplay wise is, as you've said, that kind of Paladin gameplay. You don't have someone who's like that big tank wearing heavy armor, carrying a shield and a sword. You know, you don't have quite that style of gameplay. You have barbarians who are big beefy warriors but they also you know they focus on their rage on losing control and unleashing these big attacks carrying mountains of weapons wearing more limited armor at least visually and so you don't have that sort of gameplay that is more focused on maybe being disciplined going in there in a full suit of armor maybe you're a little like a paladin in d2 Maybe uh, maybe you're more like the Crusader, but you know you you have that sort of particular style that is missing from the game, and I think that could be interesting. You also have very few classes using shields. You know, shields are a drop. Mm-hmm. There are unique, there are legendary shields, there are great shields out there, but not many classes can use them. It's it's a very limited type of weapon. So. You know, maybe maybe we're going to add something in that vein. I also think one kind of interesting story element you could go through is we see the Zacharoom. We meet the Zacharoom and they are in shambles. They they don't know what they're doing with themselves. They're dispirited. They're they don't even want to. Yeah, a lot. You see a lot of them. They don't even want to do anything. They're like, what's the point? We're in this swamp. We're all going to die. And it. It's it's sad. I mean, you also see that the Zacharoom, not always nice guys, not always the good guys in the story, but you also see some Zacharoom who were really trying to do good things. And it would be interesting to see some of these Zacharoom come out and try to go out there and improve the world, try to bring this order back to to something good, something that is interesting in helping the people of Sanctuary. That's what the world really desperately needs. There's kind of no one on the people's side. You kind of had the Cathedral of Light uh, saying they were there to defend the people, but they were also, you know, they were demanding tithes from everyone. They would execute you the minute they thought you were in league with demons, and that didn't necessarily take a lot. Yeah, they could be very brutal, even on their own people. So it's hmm, it's it's difficult to see them as defenders. And sanctuary could use defenders, so it would be nice to have someone step up and take on that mantle. Uh, and of course, the blood hunter is another interesting one. And it's possible that the blood hunter could fill some fill fill some of that kind of sword and board style of gameplay. You could play that up. Mm-hmm. in kind of a, a a disciplined way that kind of fits into that paladin-y role, if that makes sense. You you could twist that in that way. And of course, 
I mean, looking at it from the cynical corporate perspective, which you, you kind of have to do, even if you're excited about it, that would be a great tie-in with Diablo Immortal, which just released the first new class the game has seen in quite a while. And uh, it would be a good tie-in with Season 2, which is all, all, all vampires all the time. Bring so it all together. Yes. Rain down the vampires. Rain down the blood. Yes. That is, that's really, that's Diablo in a nutshell. So, hmm, I'm I'm really I'm really excited to see what they do announce. So I'm I'm so hyped. I've been enjoying Diablo yeah, 4 so and, much. And like Diablo Four, I think is a, a large success. I think mostly, mm-hmm. I think largely, it's not without its flaws. But like it, I still really enjoyed. It. I just haven't had time to play it. There's too many games, right? Yeah. Like oh, there are I, way I'm, too many games right now. Like I'm sorry, video game companies, but also like Spider Man Two. <laughs> Spider Man Two exists, so uh, I'm gone for a while. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like I'm excited to see what they do next with it. The expansion expansion announcement idea is something that I'm really, really excited about as well, too, because I'm really curious. I, I crave story like, oh, yes. which, which I'm sure surprises literally no one. But mm-hmm. Diablo story in particular, I find very, very fascinating. And I just I need more. Uh, my only other thing is, will we see a new season announced alongside a new expansion? And I kind of hope we don't. I felt like they announced season two really early. We were still playing season one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was maybe not as much hype around season one as there could have been. I sure wasn't very hyped about season one, even though I played it beginning to end. Uh, and it felt like they announced season two really early and kind of cannibalized on any excitement you might have had for season one by making season two sound so much cooler. And then you're just like, man, I could log on to Diablo, but I really want to play season two and all that cool stuff they were just talking about. So I almost hope they don't announce a new season so that we can enjoy this one without thinking about, wow, this next season is going to be so cool. Mm-hmm. And also with an expansion on the horizon, maybe just maybe they'll just take center stage. I think I think I'd prefer that, but I don't know. Hard to say which direction they're going. Do, do you have an opinion about new Diablo seasons? Uh, so my only opinion with Diablo seasons is that. I, I'm all for it. Like, I think, I think that new seasons are always going to be good. I want to see more story being, mm-hmm. being delivered more regularly. And this is another thing we talk about relatively frequently, which is the best way to deliver story, whether it's through expansions or through seasonal updates. Um, mostly because seasons in Diablo three were boring to me. They were not my favorite thing in the mm. world. Um, you got to a certain point, it was just repeating the same thing over and over again, at least to me. I'm not saying that's actually the case. This is the way my brain sort of uh, unpacked it. But when you start throwing in the potential of elements of story that progress the world along on top of that, then I start to get interested. Mm-hmm. And if there is story present of any sort of meaningful manner, that is also something that will let me look a, look away from the fact that I can't play my main during those seasons and have to roll a new seasonal character to experience it. I'm more willing to do that then than I am now. Cause that's the other thing is right now is I've invested so much time into my Druid. I love my Druid, um, but I can't play him as a seasonal character. So I'm kind of just sad. And <laughs> it's like, I, lo- I really love my guy. I just want to be a bear all the time. Uh, I can, <laughs> I can roll another bear, but like, it's not the same. And then I, so I would like to see more seasons with story content that actually entices mm-hmm. me to roll a new character. Give me a reason to do that. 
Meanwhile, I'm playing my third necromancer with just slightly different builds over here. Uh, so many necromancers. So like, many I necromancers. Could <laughs> I could learn a new class, but what if I just played another necromancer? Yeah. Yeah. yeah let's do that because that, that is literally all I'm doing. Um, but, you know, there are actually more games at BlizzCon than Overwatch and Diablo. We've kind of saved our primary game for last, which is uh, World of Warcraft. Yeah. And even even that is not spoiler alert. That's not the only only Warcraft game out there. We we're seeing Warcraft Rumble just being released on November 3rd and Hearthstone. The light, I feel like Hearthstone is the most predictable of these because you know every BlizzCon you get a new expansion and that's kind of kind of the thing. But World of Warcraft. This is uh this is kind of a hmm I think the big question about World of Warcraft is, are we going to see a patch 10.3? Are we going to see another tier of content in World of Warcraft in this expansion in Dragonflight? Or are we just going to skip straight to a new expansion? And I don't know. I keep holding out hope that we're going to get a patch cycle through patch 10.3 with new content. But I don't know. It's possible that they go out and they just say, okay, we're getting a... 10.2.5, 10.2.5, a 10.2.7 with faded raids, with some recycled content, and then we're getting a new expansion. Uh, I really hope we're getting a 10.3 with another raid tier, though. What is your opinion about this? Should they should they do another raid tier? Should they continue Dragonflight? Or should we jump right into the next big thing? So I think Dragonflight has been a very large and very ambitious expansion in a lot of ways. Between brand new talent systems, class complete reworks. Um, we know that there are still more reworks and adjustments coming in the next, uh, the 10.2 patch 10.2, which by the way, comes out the week after BlizzCon. Um, oh my God. And it's still so being, much to do. and it's still being worked on right now. It's still actively being in development. It's not finished or finalized yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always liked the idea of uh, interstitial or intermediate content. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that hasn't been played with enough. Matt and I have talked about this on, on Lore Watch a bit, uh, where some of the cooler moments in time is that time between expansions where you can do a bunch of things like start telling a story uh, and lead us into the next expansion and also gives you an opportunity to do some smaller raid content, which is something that we don't see a whole lot of anymore. Um, like looking at like the Ruby Sanctum and 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 things like that. Um, those were cool look little in between that didn't have a whole lot of uh, bosses or anything like that, but progressed the story. Still gave you raid content and kind of got you prepared for the next league of our journey. I wouldn't mind seeing something here. So I don't think we're done with Dragonflight as far as like this land. And I think we'll be back even in the next expansion because there's mm-hmm. still so much that hasn't been resolved. Um, yeah. And no matter what we do moving forward, like an in-between between now and that next expansion, I think would be cool. Maybe not necessarily the full-blown raid tier, but mm-hmm. maybe something with like four bosses that get yeah. you ready for whatever the next expansion is uh, starts generating that story, generating that hype. And then that can lead into whatever the pre-expansion event will be because they tend to do pre-expansion events. That's sort Mm -hmm. of a given now. Um, 
and sort of lean into that and sort of help bridge that gap of, of downtime and maybe still do like, I really enjoyed faded raids. I thought those were a lot of fun. Um, Yeah. I enjoyed them too. There were, there were also a really nice excuse for keeping guilds running uh, together Uh because that's one thing that we've talked about in the past too, is when your guild doesn't have a consistent uh, bunch of content to run, People kind of, at least in our experience, they scatter for a while. They go play other games and they have other obligations that they catch up on. Uh, but it's nice to sort of have that that weekly touch point, which is what we used Faded Raids for in Shadowlands. We'd get together yeah. on a Wednesday. We'd blow through the content. Uh, but while we were doing it, we were, you know, one day a week, our, our guild and Liz and I are in the same guild. If anybody is listening for the first time, uh, <laughs> we we shoot the stuff over, over voice chat. We'd hang out. We would do an activity. We all enjoyed together. And it was an enjoyable couple hours to spend with each other and kept people, you know, together during that, that downtime between expansions. Then by the time the expansions came, it wasn't like trying to catch back up with everybody. So I really would like to see more faded raids. Uh, I thought, I think that was really cool. And I'd like to see an inner, like an intermediate or interstitial, like raid content that maybe pushes the story along, like a 10.2.5 that has a little something extra with it until we get to, you know, 11.0. What about you? What do you think? I I feel like no matter how Blizzard does it, we're going to need like one more big story beat after 10.2. I, I just feel like, you know, you usually have a lot of these expansions. A lot of Blizzard's ex- expansions have been, you know, they're a 3x story. You've got your release. You've got, well... <laughs> I, I say three acts and then I'm what I'm thinking is three patches. Uh, but you've got your you've got your first your first patch kind of your ah, words. Your <laughs> launch kind of sets up the story. Your first big patch sets up kind of act one. You're you're kicking off the action. Then you've got your act two and then you've got your act three. You're kind of following you're following a pretty traditional structure. And usually the end of Act 2, it kind of presents us with a twist, a surprise of some sort that's going to lead us into that final bit of story. Mm-hmm. And we have had a couple of expansions that have just done two patches. But I feel like you kind of need, you, you do one patch, you do the second patch, then you have a twist, and then you go off in a different direction for the third patch. So I feel like we do need one more story beat to kind of send us off somewhere that we may not completely expect and not just continue the story in a straight line. Uh, But we'll see. We'll see. I would like another patch, another major patch, but uh, it's possible we'll just jump into a brand new expansion. Blizzard did do that with Shadowlands. That's true. uh, We're going to find out really soon. Really, really soon. Um, So yes, Hearthstone, Warcraft Rumble have, what do you think about Warcraft Rumble coming out? right at blizzcon i think it makes sense um having something like that especially a mobile game makes sense when you're waiting for events i think it would make more sense if their things were more spread out potentially with panels and things like that but uh because that's a perfect opportunity for people to to kill time on a mobile game um but it does make sense to release it during that because as people are traveling or or going from their hotel to you know the uber ride to the convention center or whatever the case is uh, or killing time while they're waiting for people to meet up for dinner or guild meets or whatever, you know, having it available for them to play uh, potentially is a it's, it's a good thing. It's a solid thing. Um, I like it. I like I like the idea of releasing that content during that time frame, and I think it makes perfect sense. Uh, and Warcraft Rumble seems like a 
really good time waster potentially. I haven't gotten deep into it, so I can't really comment on it. I'm not a target audience for mobile games. Uh, mm-hmm. I will freely admit that. Um, like my Switch even stays in its dock like 99% of the time. <laughs> uh, I just don't play games on my mobile phone. This is not a thing I do. Um, mm-hmm. But like for people that do, I think it's I think it's cool. I think it's a good idea. What about you? My only thing is, you know how hard it can be to get Wi-Fi signal, internet signal of any kind in BlizzCon when there are so many people also trying to get cellular. Uh, you know, I I wonder if we may not have the kind of connection you need to play this game. But I have played Warcraft Rumble in the beta period, which it's been a little while. The game has evolved since then. But the worst thing about the game is that it's really fun. It's so fun. And you got these quick little fast matches, which would actually be perfect for waiting in line, whether it's at BlizzCon, whether it's at the grocery store, whether you're at the DMV, it doesn't matter. You can play these quick matches that take a couple minutes, and they are super fun. Uh, So that is kind of a problem, because you can really get sucked in, and then it's like three hours later, and your phone battery is dead, and (laughs) where where afternoon go because you've just been playing you, matches over and over you know what i will say this and th- maybe this is just a psa for folks that are planning on heading out to the uh the convention center stop by uh, one of your local electronics retailers grab a power bank you'll you will yes. you will absolutely be thankful for it later um they're mm-hmm. absolutely invaluable at conventions uh because you don't have to go and uh, find a power outlet, which can be a nightmare, especially in a convention. Uh, the Anaheim yep. Convention Center, I know, has been redone since the last time I've been there, but mm-hmm. it wasn't ripe with a lot of opportunities for you to do that that weren't like going to be in the middle of the way of everything else. Uh, and then sometimes traveling back to your hotel room is a, a pain in the 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 rear. Um, so battery bank, ten bucks, it'll you'll at the very least, and you'll you'll be thankful for it later. And especially if you plan on playing Warcraft Rumble while you're there, it will you will be absolutely invaluable to to you in in your your rumbling adventures. Uh, and so one last thing about BlizzCon is, uh, do you think we're going to get any big surprises this year? Certainly, one thing we have not heard about lately is the survival game Blizzard is working on, which we've only seen a couple of pieces of kind of generic fantasy concept art mm-hmm. and the fact that they're working on it. Uh, but I do kind of wonder, we were talking earlier in the podcast about, you know, Overwatch has this huge amount of space, absolutely massive amount of space. Is it possible that there's a row of those demo stations that are actually going to be for something else? Is it possible that Blizzard is going to fit in another panel somewhere with something totally off the wall? I don't know if this is going to happen, but we've seen Blizzard do it before, where they'll roll out generic panel titles or they'll have demo stations that aren't being used for anything. And then right when they announce it in the opening ceremony, everything flips over. They've done this a few times before. I wonder if they're going to do it again this year. And maybe hit us with a surprise. I love surprises. I love to be surprised. I I think it's really boring when you go into a convention or event and you know exactly what's about to happen. I'd love to see a surprise this year. Uh, Joe, do you think they might throw any curveballs at us? I I don't know. <laughs> um, it, <laughs> like like I, I it's it's the safe answer, but it's it's an IP that they could, but I don't know that they will. Mm. because i i'm i'm not a hundred percent sure 
whether or not they feel safe enough to take a curveball. Yeah, true. So, yeah, I've I, go I, ahead. I I really would love to see how Blizzard tackles kind of a new genre. It's been it's been a while. It's been a long time since Blizzard has gone off in a new direction. I mean, Overwatch was kind of their last jump into a really different genre than they'd done before. Um, and I, I would really be interested in seeing how they tackle the survival genre. I would also be really interested in seeing another RTS I, game. Yeah, I, you know what? That's that's another thing. We haven't had an RTS game from them in forever, and I'm not counting. Yeah. I'm not counting Warcraft Three Reforged. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't that doesn't count, folks. Um, but like Starcraft has been sort of gone for a while. Uh, there has been a resurgence in like RTS play, especially on like if you can trust. Uh, content creators and Twitch and, and stuff like that, and at least numbers from like mm-hmm. GOG and Steam, there is definitely a renewed interest in that genre. I'd love to see I, if Blizzard announced an RT, a new RTS, I think people would lose their mind, especially mm-hmm. because they are some of the folks that made RTSs like a staple. Yeah. 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 Um, the survival one is also interesting. We haven't heard anything about that in how long? Uh, it's been a couple of years at this point, and all we got was, "Hey, we're working on a game." Yes. Woo! So I'm I'm curious to see what they do with that because, again, survival games are still wildly popular. People still play. Mm-hmm. The only the only question is whether it's going to be a true survival game, uh, or if it's going to be a survival battle royale game like Rust, mm-hmm. um, which I hope it's not because then I just don't have any interest in playing it. Um, but like co-op survival games, uh, I think are, are much more fun again, opinion. Don't roast me folks. Um, (laughs) but I'd be really curious to see what their take on it is because is it a post-apocalyptic one? Is it a one like arc where you get abducted by aliens and there happen to be dinosaurs there and they want to see how you get along with dinosaurs? Cause this is a thing that is an arc. Um, or is it rust where you're trapped on an Island or, or whatever the case is, like I'm, I'm curious how they would enter that genre and what changes they would make to make it distinctly Blizzard. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm real curious about that. Like, so we'll see. I, I maybe we'll get that announcement. It's been a while, or maybe we'll get more information about it. That would be a heck of a curveball. Uh, and I, I would be on board with it. I know that I think that team is still. Last I heard, they're still doing their thing. They they haven't been disbanded or moved, or at least not that they've announced. So it's definitely still in production? Question mark. <laughs> yeah, I mean we haven't we haven't heard that it's not. So but, you know, live in hope and assume it is, and it, that it's going to be an interesting game. We'll hear about eventually. Yeah. Um. So we do have one more bit of Warcraft news, which is just that uh, you know. October, as we are recording, this is coming to an end, which means the October trading post, it's gone. Mm-hmm. It's gone. Mm-hmm. It's out of here. Over. Done. Uh, but the November trading post is just about to kick off. And one of the big things about it is, you know, it comes up with a, a pretty a pretty classic uh, recruit a friend mount. The I don't know if you remember this, Joe. You probably yeah. do. Yeah. The the Zevra, the Zevra mount is yep. coming here. And I've I've seen some debate about this one. You know, does it make your achievement of getting this thing way back when? Does it make it lesser now that you can just go and get some trader's tender and pick it up? 
it doesn't lessen it for me at all. Um, I, I might be a weird case. I don't really hold a lot of things precious when it comes to like mounts or achievements or things like that. Um, so I'm all about stuff like this getting added to the trading post and giving people an opportunity to purchase mounts that they may not have had a chance to otherwise. Mm. Uh, because I think it's fun. I think it, enti- it, it, it's almost in a way like preserving pieces of Warcraft's history for a newer audience that maybe didn't know about it or didn't get to experience it. So I'm yeah. all about it. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, and for my part, I have that mount already so I can save those trader tender for something else. Uh, this month we are getting new looks for the monk warlock and warrior We've been getting these class-based looks for a while, and they're kind of headed to the end of a cycle on this one. And we're also getting an adorable new pet, which is, uh, it's, if you know the pet, um, Mimi. Little mummy. Which is the tiny little mummy. It's, it's a version of Mimi called, okay, I don't know how you say that, uh, Drazaket? Drazkazet? Drazkazet the Wrathful. Yes. Draz Kazette. Uh, he's a tiny mummy, but his bandages are all red. And, uh, you know, kind of bizarrely cute. I kind of I kind of want him. He's going to cost 650 traders tender. And uh, really, really bizarrely cute. Seems kind of like it, it would be a Halloween-themed thing that we would have gotten in October. But then there would have been too many cool things in October. So I guess they had to save it for November. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's uh, November Trading Post is kicking off whenever it's November. When oh, yeah. When it's November, when you are listening to this, I don't know. I, you will be maybe, able to know. And maybe I blanked out, but also the Foam Sword uh, for, foam sword Rack, which was a former TCG-only item, is up on there as well this month. Which, uh, so, yes. Which I think is it's cool. It's great that you can... That's a fun one, having, having your Foam Sword fights. Yeah. I remember dropping yeah. that in raids and completely derailing them for like 15, 20 minutes. It was fantastic. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, when we start heading into the raid, all of us have to break out our foam swords. That's wow. We're going to we're going to make our raid leaders a little crazy. <laughs> and probably all of us are already a little crazy. So, yes, I I am looking forward to the next uh, trading post. going to work on that, except I always say I'm going to work on the trading post and then I forget about it until like the last day of the month. Uh, so maybe, maybe I'll remember this one. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So we have just covered, I think, everything we could cover about BlizzCon and a little extra news of the week, because it's a little bit quiet, a little bit quiet leading up to BlizzCon. We're going to get all the announcements of the convention. It's the calm before the storm. It is. It's this brief, brief window of calm before everything happens. Uh, so we are going to wrap it up this week. Joe, would you take us out? Absolutely. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance to have your question answered on our podcast or the Q and an ads free site experience. Again, friends, if you have questions for this or any of our podcasts, be sure to send those into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Specify what show it is for in the subject line. And if you 
have any special pronunciation for your name, please include that as well. If you don't want to send us an email, you can hit us up on our Discord channels. For our Patreon supporters, we have one set aside specifically for you. It's our Patreon queue and podcast questions channel. Uh, same rules apply. Tell us what show it's for and any special pronunciations for your name. Unless you're Razorberg or Razorbug, I don't know how I feel this week, and we're just going to continually morph that as we move along. Um, we tend to look in that Patreon supporter channel uh, first as a way of saying thank you for helping us keep the lights on. If you can't support us, though, uh, monetarily, you can still send us our questions or themes or anything you want in our Q and podcast questions channel on Discord. Uh, and you can help support us by sharing our content, uh, leaving comments, sharing links and telling people about it really, really, really does help. Uh, and it helps spread our influence and word. And we really, truly appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we will see you back here next week. Pumpkins. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.